Scattered across Kansas are an assortment of private colleges ranging in size from 300 to 3,600 students. That list includes Baker and Friends Universities, Benedictine and Bethany Colleges, Mid-America Nazarene, McPherson College, University of St. Mary, and others. What do they all have in common? They're part of the Kansas Independent College Association. Joining the Kansas Reflector podcast is Matt Lindsay, president of the association and a repository of insight into contributions these colleges and universities make to Kansas. Welcome. Thanks, Tim. Glad to be here and uh, excited to talk about uh, uh, about what we do and how we how we add to Kansas. Yeah, thank you very much. First, Mr. Lindsay, could you help lay the foundation of where these institutions fall into the higher education system in Kansas? Sure, and and so there are twenty accredited nonprofit higher education institutions in Kansas, and that's the those are the members of KICA. And uh, that ranges from uh, you know, a, a concentration of schools sort of in the northeast corner, uh, and then a bunch of schools that, that dot I-135 between Salina and Wichita, and they're all not-for-profit. Like I said, they're all accredited. They all offer undergraduate degrees. Uh, and in that, there's, a, there's, some, there's some history there. Uh, you know, Baker and Benedictine were the two, uh, college, uh, were the two first uh, institutions founded in the city of Kansas back in 1858. Hmm. Uh, the youngest school is Mid-American Nazarene in 1960. Uh, you've got the first junior college, uh, Central Christian College in McPherson, which is now a four-year school. Uh, and you've got the first college in Kansas to admit African-Americans and women in Friends University in Wichita. So there's some, some really uh, a, a vibrant history uh, there from these 20 schools. Uh, the the nonprofit aspect is important. I, mean, I and KICA is independent, so they're all independently governed. I, I have uh, I have carrots but no sticks to uh, to compel action uh, with them. That I is very important, um, but it also um, there, there's a there's a uniqueness to Kansas's private higher education world in that we're probably the only state uh, that has a sizable number. Uh, of these schools that doesn't have at least one sort of name brand nonprofit college. So one of those 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 elite schools or those ones that everybody's heard of. In Indiana's got Notre Dame, uh, you know, obviously Harvard and Stanford, Duke, uh, you know, uh, Baylor in Texas. Most other states that have a lot of private colleges have at least one that that everybody's heard of because they think of those 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 big financially successful schools that everybody you know that that everybody goes to or they have a school or or more that uh, frankly that play football on uh, on ABC on Saturday mornings or play basketball on big Monday on ESPN because they're NCAA division one schools Kansas we don't have that so we are uh, often uh, put up against the 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 public four-year schools in a way that our our native thinking in Kansas is towards KU and K State and Wichita State uh, and those great schools as well. For us, the 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 there's value and virtue uh, in our smallness, but it also means that we have to we have to speak up a little louder to talk about some of the great things that we do. Yeah, so you we must sometimes feel the attention in the legislature uh, or in the news goes too easily to these large public universities such as University of Kansas and Kansas State University. How do you go about getting the message out about these private schools? Part of it is is repetition uh, and telling the story. Uh, Just these, beat us I, over I the head with a two by four uh, until we finally- Over and over again. It. And it turns out there's, I mean, in, in at least in Topeka, it's become easier and easier because we've we've done a better job of telling our story. Uh, one of the, uh, 
the, the virtues of having a lot of really cool programs like uh, McPherson College has a has a, the maybe the best program in the country in classic automobile restoration. Friends University has the program if you want to work for a zoo or run a zoo. The zoo science program at Friends University is the place to go. Using some of those stories has helped us raise our profile with legislators, uh, and it also helps that there are legislators who are alums of our schools who can help mm -hmm. tell that story as well. Uh, but also, it means you know we have to do a better job, and we're doing it, of telling the story of why having a vibrant nonprofit part of higher ed is good for the state as a whole. It's not a, we need only one type, only only public or private colleges, only two-year or four-year schools. We need all of us rowing together to have a have a thriving uh, economy and culture in this state. Uh, and that, that leads to a lot of really potent conversations in, uh, in policymaking uh, about what our role can be. All right. Let's, let's move on to just the nut. We look at it from the perspective of a student. Why would a high school graduate choose to go to, say, Manhattan Christian College rather than Emporia State or Fort Hayes State University? Because those, those offer liberal arts education. Sure. Uh, and I think sometimes it's a, it's a personal choice, a story I, I, I get to tell a lot. And I, I, pre-COVID, I got the chance to go to every one of my campuses you know, at least once a year, walk across campus with the president and, and, and talk about what's going on and, and meet people. And our schools have the virtue of our presidents know every student. So we're mm. walking across campus. So uh, the president at Manhattan Christian College and I could be walking across the campus and uh, President Ingram will know each student by name and not just the name, but, you know, did you study for your math test? Great job in the volleyball game last night. How's your grandmother? That's a virtue of our size and mission that I don't think it would be fair to ask President Garrett to be able to do that at Emporia State. The mission is different. Uh, the, the, the challenges are similar, but not the same. Uh, so a student who is seeking uh, an educational experience where they can't disappear into the cracks, where people are going to notice if you're not there, uh, that would be a reason you might choose a, a nonprofit college uh, like one of ours. Uh, another reason is often, uh, you know, I, I think there's some myths about private colleges that we struggle to overcome about us being the schools only for those with a lot of money or uh, or, or basically um, very uh, uh, non-diverse, you know, not diverse. And those aren't, aren't true. Uh, our schools are actually in Kansas, the affordability factor is about the same as going to a public university uh, in terms of the net cost. So after you add up scholarships and aid, it turns out you pay about the same for a lot of our schools. Uh, and we also have very uh, similar diversity to the public universities. And in fact, we have one school, uh, Donnelly College in Kansas City, Kansas, that is uh, each year, the last few years, been ranked the most diverse college in the Midwest. You are, most, you are more likely to sit down next to somebody who is not of your race in a class at Donnelly College than any other college in the, in the region. So we have these strengths, but you have to already feel uh, an affinity to wanting to be in a, in a place where you can't disappear. Right. Uh, I, I think when I think back on my days at K-State, I tried to keep a low profile because I'm not sure they <laughs> really wanted to have somebody with a mediocre academic record that I did at the university. So in terms of COVID-19, how did these private colleges and universities respond? I, I, you know, there's a lot of the big universities went online. 
and did you guys go back to in-person instruction or never make that break from it? How, how did you guys handle COVID? It was, I mean, frankly, it was a challenge and we had a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, heartburn and anxiety as we discussed things last spring. I mean, we obviously did what everybody did in spring of 2020, which was sort of went to an online complete the year. Um, but over the summer, uh, the, the private colleges decided uh, in Kansas uh, collectively, uh, everyone went back to an in-person opening in fall of 2020. So we had a year of in-person classes at all of our 20 uh, nonprofit colleges. Um, most of them that are in the NAIA athletic conference played sports. They had, they had a football season. Um, so no, so we didn't actually have to go back and uh, from and switch from the online to the uh, in person the same way the regents uh, did. Mm -hmm. uh, now we did have schools that you know when you had an outbreak, uh, you know you had to had to quarantine everyone. I, I think uh, a couple of our schools had a couple of week periods over the year where they where they had to go online for a, a, a couple of three weeks. Uh, but the, the the baseline was in-person education, and uh, I think it actually benefited us. We saw enrollment actually go up this year. Um, our on-campus main undergraduate enrollment was actually up 2% uh, compared to last year, uh, and that was driven by a lot of actually out-of-state students coming to Kansas as private colleges. And I, we suspect that's because we committed uh, to being in person and doing the best we could uh, to be a community where we held each other accountable for the things that that kept us safe from COVID. Uh, and so it turned out to, to work out for uh, work out pretty well for us. Let's just talk about enrollment for a second. I think the universities, even community colleges, suffered last year during that year of COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. I, it's and so maybe you're answering the question already. Is that students from other states were looking for an enclave where they could do for face-to-face -face classes. Do you think that was part of it? I do. Uh, and I think we, we, we have plenty of at least anecdotal evidence that says uh, having a for in-person higher education experience is important. It's critically important for learning and student success. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the ability to say we are going to be in person uh, we think drove some folks who might not have thought about us in the first place to say, yes, that's, that, that sounds better. Uh, we already have a pretty sizable out-of-state uh, population for our nonprofit colleges. About prior to COVID year, uh, about, about a third, a little more than a third of our students come from out of state. Uh, and so, and a lot of those stay in Kansas, by the way, when they finish. So we get to be a brain gain for the state. We think that that commitment uh, both to in-person, but also to playing sports, helped some students who would have maybe stayed in California, for instance. And remember the California system, state system announced uh, pretty early in the pandemic, they were gonna go online for the year uh, and not play sports. We think we probably picked up a number of those, those, uh, those students who were looking for that college experience and saw Kansas, at least at the time, as a place, like as you said, an enclave where maybe the disease was not as rampant. Uh, remember a lot of our private colleges are in smaller towns and rural mm -hmm. communities that mm -hmm. maybe it was safer here than elsewhere uh you know as as time bore out that was somewhat true but the you know COVID hit everywhere uh, but we were able because we were small we were able to do certain things that maybe a larger institution couldn't do in terms of keeping uh, you know, take helping take care of our students uh, uh individual needs uh through this through this tough COVID, COVID year 
Yeah, there's Johnson County Community College, KUK State. They have enrollments that are far bigger than many towns and cities in, yes. in Kansas. So there are many proposals out there discussed nationally about federal and perhaps state governments combining to deliver free tuition to public community college students. So what do you think of that idea? And if it happened, what kind of impact might it have on the private schools of Kansas? Well, I I, you know, I'm not in favor of that approach, and I don't think our private colleges would see that as favorable, uh, partly because historically the role of the federal government for higher ed has been to support a student's ability to find the right fit for them in higher ed. So that's why we have Pell Grants that you can use whether you go to a, a community college or you go to a private independent college or you go to a, a public four-year institution. You can use your Pell Grant anywhere. That's the, been the federal government's role. And so mm -hmm. to move towards a federal policy of saying this sector is what we're going to support uh, in, in broad strokes, strikes us as, as problematic on a precedent basis. We also have some evidence that if done uh, maybe poorly, you end up with a shift of higher education enrollment that's not effective in making sure that students are getting the, the right fit and therefore completing their degree uh, on time and affordably. Uh, I think the evidence so far for the, uh, for instance, the New York Excelsior Scholarship, which was about making all public four-year institutions free, has in fact shifted enrollment patterns in a way that has not led to increased educational out outcomes in the way they had hoped. Uh, so for us, I think that, and I think a lot of the folks in, in, in Kansas, not just in the private colleges, would say a better way to do this is to look at the Pell Grant and say, it's notice that it's not, uh, it doesn't meet the cost uh, of education the same way it did 20, 30 years ago. Uh, and that a better approach to making affordable, college affordable is to double the Pell Grant. Uh, if you double the Pell Grant, it uh, catches us back up to what it probably should be and effectively makes community college free, uh, but it also doesn't steer students away from making the educational choice that they need to make to find the right fit. I want the students who will succeed at a private college because of that, you can't disappear in the cracks factor uh, to choose us. I also don't want a student to choose us who do, won't thrive in that environment. I want a student who will thrive at K-State to go to K-State. I want a student who will thrive at Neosho Community College to go to Neosho. That makes all of us across the state do better when we enter educational outcomes. All right, let's talk about costs of these uh, schools mm -hmm. in the association in Kansas. I imagine the tuition rates would be higher. That's just my guess, uh, my sense. But mm -hmm. there might be uh, better student financial aid at those institutions as well. So one, why don't you just kind of go through that? That's true. And I think the, the debate uh, nationally on college cost uh, tends to focus on the sticker price, sort of what you have to list as what it is, rather than what you actually pay. And we'd laugh about it, you know, back when when we we could travel by air, you didn't ever want to ask the person sitting next to you on an airplane what they paid for their ticket, because it was going to be different than what you, you paid, and you might regret it. Uh, mm -hmm. The same goes for college pricing, that while we have a stated price, most people who go to college don't pay that stated price, uh, you pay your net price. Uh, the net cost for a, a degree, let's just take a, a bachelor's degree in say accounting at, Kansas, at a Kansas independent college, the net price over four years is about $69,000. At a public university, um, that is a little bit cheaper. Um, it's not a lot cheaper. Um, 
But I, then you have to remember when you're factoring in cost that uh, you you want to get a job when you're done and you want to do that quickly. You don't want to be in college for five and six and seven years. More of our students, finish if they finish, they finish in four years. Uh, that's partly again to that personal attention piece and the fact that our schools are teaching institutions. Uh, so the faculty there are focused on offering courses. 99% of our faculty teach a full load. Uh, we don't really have graduate assistants teaching classes, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so 84% of our graduates finish in four years. Well, what does that mean? It means that why well, I said $69,000 is your cost. You have income after that. If you take five years or six years to go to a, a different institution, a public institution, not just in Kansas, but elsewhere, not only are you paying an additional year of tuition and room and board and books, et cetera, but you're not earning income. So pretty quickly, that cost dynamic changes where it's cheaper to have gone to the quote unquote more expensive college because you're out earning income and over, uh, counterbalancing any, any, any cost differential. Yeah, I think that's been borne out. The real extra cost, the cost burden is that fifth year or that that's even right. that sixth year, or even if you're extraordinary, a seventh year. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what those people are doing, but but those extra years are really what uh, bring the hammer down on people in terms of the affordability of college, I think. Absolutely. And then if you don't complete, that's a then you've really put yourself behind the eight ball, right? Uh, you know, the, the, the college debt argument is, it turns out the real problem is those who start a degree take out loans but don't finish. They end up with the, the liability but not the asset. Mm -hmm. uh, and Kansas is a low student debt state, whether it's public or private colleges. Uh, about $24,000, $25,000 is the average debt of a bachelor's degree graduate, which is about the same as a price of a new uh, Chevy Malibu, the baseline Chevy Malibu in Topeka. Uh, and one of these depreciates the moment you drive it off the lot and you can't sell it for parts. And the other gives you an income for the rest of your life. It appreciates in value, but you got to complete the degree. You got to get the, get the completion so you have the asset to balance the liability. Let's talk about the definition of liberal arts education. I think it's evolved over the last 25 years and, and you can stick oh, yes. with Kansas or look at it generally if you'd like. Uh, yes, I think that's, that's right. Um, the old sort of definition of a liberal arts and the, the well-roundedness of uh, studying all of the, the humanities and, and, and all, uh, I think it's fallen in disfavor. Uh, and we have spoken, we talk a lot more about workforce readiness and, and transition to employment. And I think the, the public polling bears out that that's more what the public wants out of higher ed. Uh, the, the translation though, is if you talk to employers, they want those skills, but what they talk about even more is they want the type of skills we would say were liberal arts skills. I tell a, uh, a story a lot about my, 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 a family member of mine who got a degree in French uh, and family said, what are you going to do with that? You're never going to get a job. What, did, what in the world? Uh, and she went and taught uh, taught English in France for a little while and, and said, okay, teaching is not for me and came back and got a job with a, uh, a company in Kansas City that does prepaid gift cards for resorts and malls and, and all. And, and they said, we need somebody, we're going to branch out into Quebec and in Montreal. We need somebody who mm. can do this work and help us uh, in, in French speaking you know, with a bilingual background. Yeah. 
higher, and this was the depths of the Great Recession. So this was 2008. College graduates were really having a tough time. She's now, she worked there and she got hired away by a regional bank. She's now a vice president at a regional bank and she's never taking a, taken a business class in her life. She has no, no, no accounting, no marketing, no finance, nothing. But because she had that liberal arts degree education, she knew how to read critically. She knew how to write and speak and work on a team. And she knew to be a lifelong learner. Uh, those skills allowed her employers to say, well, we can train you on uh, you know, the necessary pieces of accounting that we need you to know to do this job, but we don't. We need you to already have the desire to learn those skills for you to succeed. So I don't think we've lost the importance of liberal arts training. I think we need to reframe it and do a, even a better job of reframing it in this conversation of what does workforce success, what does a career success look like? Mm -hmm. So I, Mr. Lindsay, I think you're on the Governor Kelly's Advantage Kansas Coordinating Council. Could indeed I think that. This touches upon the workforce development issue. Explain what it is and, and what's trying to be accomplished. Well, the, the Advantage Kansas Coordinating Council has come out of a lot of conversations among uh, employers and educators in the state uh, and the governor uh, to say we need to do a better job in Kansas of aligning our educational system, uh, K-12 and post-secondary, uh, to employment needs and employer needs as we transition to a future uh, focused uh, uh, workforce in Kansas. So taking the, 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 some of the reporting that we've gotten out of uh, some of the consultants that have worked for the state on what are the careers, what are the industries that is gonna help Kansas thrive 20 years from now? Uh, how do we make sure that we are aligned in what we are doing uh, in the education system and listening to the voices of employers as well to say, do this instead of that. Um, and have those substantive meaty conversations that lead to better policy outcomes uh, for all of us as a state. So again, to take away, strip away the public versus private colleges, uh, community colleges versus four year and focus on what are the outcomes we want of a, to have an educated workforce. And so the Advantage Kansas Coalition is a, a small group dedicated and to having that kind of conversation and actually putting forth and bringing recommendations to do that well. Yeah. Sometimes you need that big think group to kind of look ahead because sometimes people in higher ed are just worried about today and tomorrow. And it's just a little bit harder to coordinate if you're talking about statewide and all these institutions uh, that look ahead. So the 21 legislative session just wrapped up. I believe private schools got some additional money for need-based aid, student aid. We did, I would say not just private college students, all students got more need-based aid money. Okay. So as they, uh, the Kansas has one need-based aid program called the Kansas Comprehensive Grant. Uh, and it's designed there to help any Kansas resident with financial need go to a college, go to public university or private college. Uh, we've had it for, uh, let's say 30 years now. Uh, and that grant uh, has never been funded enough to fund, uh, appropriate enough money to fund all the students who would qualify. So it needs uh, to be increased. I think perhaps you've advocated for that in the past. I, I have. Um, I think it, prior to this year, it's probably had enough to fund about half of the eligible students. Hmm. Uh, and the uh, legislature added as part of a, an effort to meet some federal requirements, added $8 million for the coming year, which is a big boost. And it's, it's fantastic news for students, again, regardless of whether they choose a public or a private college. Mm -hmm. Is that a one-year uh, raise or 
Um, now it's a one-year raise. I mean, we're, we do, we're doing one-year budgets, but we know we're going to have another year of having to meet some federal, what are called maintenance of effort requirements related to the CARES money the state got. Uh, and so next year, the fiscal year 23 budget is going to have to have a similar conversation. And so hopefully we will again recognize that a way to support higher ed uh, and maintain our effort to doing uh, our what well, right by our people uh, is to make sure that uh, college is affordable for all students. Mm -hmm. So there's another element in the state house with the promise scholarship. Could you please discuss what that is and how it might help private schools? Uh, the promise scholarship is really exciting uh, and it's modeled after some other states as well. And, and I, you know, we talked a little bit before about free community college. It's a Kansas version of a limited free community college. It's what's called a last dollar scholarship, meaning we're going to make it free for any student to get a two-year degree or certificate at a community college or a private four-year school that offers two-year programs uh, after counting all the other scholarships you got. So if you're, after you're getting your Pell Grant and all the other things, if you're $500 short, we're going to, the state is going to pay the $500 for you to make that program free. Whether you are at, again, at, at, at Allen Community College or you're at Ottawa University, that's going to be free. The limitation, the, the, the wrinkle is we're focused on really on four program areas, four, four, four fields, early childhood education, health uh, care, physical and mental, um, advanced manu manufacturing and building trades, um, and information technology and information security. I think that's the legislature saying, we, these are the four fields we know we need more people uh, educated in. If you receive a Promise Scholarship, you are then committing to working and living in Kansas for two years after finishing your degree. So there's an obligation on your part, if you're gonna take the state money, that you're gonna stay here and make Kansas better, use those skills uh, for the betterment of, of our state. That's like a really exciting program and I'm excited to uh, really, really interested to see how well it does moving forward. And it's putting money behind where people believe job demand will be in, in the near future. Seems like a worthy investment up front. Absolutely. And, 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 and it's, I'm glad the legislature recognized that it's not just community colleges and technical colleges that are doing this good work, that there are mm -hmm. private colleges that are in this field, in this space as well. All right. So uh, I'll have you look into your crystal ball here as we close out, just kind of look to the future of private educa education in Kansas. I think we're in, uh, surprisingly, I think, uh, a better space than we expected post-COVID uh, because we, we we're going to learn the lessons we wanted, we, we needed to learn on uh, being more efficient and, and, and uh, effective at meeting students' needs. I think our next horizon uh, is going to be around uh, how do you uh, position yourself to bounce back and forth uh, between online and in-person? And what's the right balance uh, of de course delivery uh, so that students are succeeding and getting what they want out of the, their college experience? I, I think that's going to be an interesting conversation for all of us. Uh, I think there's another piece around student mental health that whether it's private or public colleges, we're gonna to have to really wrestle with. And uh, I think this year has really brought to the fore that the, the, the mental health stresses on, student, on the student population really need a, a greater attention. So I think there's some, some real work there. Uh, and I think, again, student college affordability is not going away. Uh, it's, it's more relevant now than ever because we still know that a post-secondary credential, whether it's a certificate or a bachelor's degree uh, is, uh, 
the still the ticket to ad advancing uh, economically uh, towards economic mobility that we still need to help more Kansans get those. And I think uh, private colleges, need, we can do more to, uh, to advance that conversation. All right. I think that's all the time we have. Uh, Matt Lindsay of the Kansas Independent College Association. Thank you for the tour of these, these schools. I appreciate it. I'm Tim Carpenter with the Kansas Reflector. Thanks for listening.